Hi and welcome to Farah Karamuri Show. This show is all about busy mums juggling life and work. We talk about how they deal with relationships, parenting, self-care, planning and how do they deal with their careers. So join me every Sunday where I bring an insight to a mum who is spinning all the place. My guest this week is an entrepreneurial mother passionate about people, business and education. Her entrepreneurial spark led her to set up her own first online retail business in 2006. It achieved a multiple six-figure sum in its first year. Wow! Let's dive right in and see what Anna Wood has to say about her high-achieving challenges, her children and her marriage. Not to forget her new business venture. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast show, Anna. So tell the listeners, who are you and what you do? Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for having me, Farah. Um, So basically... I'm Anna Wood. Um, I've been an entrepreneur now for about 14 years. So I started my first business in 2006. Wow. The reason, yeah, quite a while now. It feels uh, feels a lot, I don't know, a long time in some respects and not not in others. Um, I started my first business mainly because um, back before working for myself, I worked for HSBC. Mm-hmm. So I was a financial planning manager and quite quickly kind of got to that position and was doing very well. Um, but at the time, so, so I had my first son during my career, uh, with, with the bank. Um, and when I went back to work, he was, um, small, he was six months old and I was traveling a, uh, an hour away to work. I was wow. uh, living in Devontree and, and working in Buckingham. So it was an hour on a good day to get to work. Um, my career was going very well. I was working part time and doing really, really well in the bank, but just, so, so sorry, I, stop here. did you switch from full-time to part-time because you had your, your son? My son, so yeah, and I was full-time they... prior okay. and then had my son how was and that, then went back part-time. How, how was that transition though? Um, to be fair, it was not too bad because even because of the amount of money that I was earning, even going back part-time was still a good salary, okay. Okay. so it was, a, it was a still good salary, um, but it was one of those, I, I used to dread going back to work I I was working Wednesday Thursday Friday and I would dread going back to work oh um so yeah is it because you didn't want to leave him is that what it was or well to be fair I think it was more so my husband at the time so my ex-husband now but my husband at the time he was self-employed so I could see the life he had he could do what he wanted when he wanted Mm. um so once he started to be self-employed Prior to that, I didn't really have a problem working for the bank because I really enjoyed it. But the minute he was self-employed, I was very much like, I want this life. I want to do what I want when I want to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my first business, I kind of started by accident, really. I kind of, uh, I I wanted a laundry basket. So he said, why don't you order from this place? I ordered a pack of 12 kept one and sold the rest on eBay and the rest is history. 12 months later, I had a 
multi six figure business. Wow. Um, okay. Hang on. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's hold back one second. So you're working in a bank and you started a side yes. hustle. Is that what you did? I did a side hustle. Ah, yes, okay. So you're still working hustle. in the bank and you ordered this. Did you order those 12 by mistake or were they, you actually wanted those 12? No. So what I did is, is at the time my husband was uh, using a supplier who also, he, he was getting kind of car parts and things like that from them, but they also did homeware items. So laundry baskets, storage baskets, things like that. We needed a new laundry basket. So I thought, said, he said, well, why don't you order from this place? So I thought, okay, I need a laundry basket. I like these ones. I'll order a pack of 12. I'll keep one and I'll test the water, sell the rest on eBay, see what happens. Well, literally within three months, I had built the business and had enough money to leave, leave my job, literally in three months. Wow. It got it got to the point that he was being driven mad because I'd be like, can you send this out? Can you send that out? And it was just crazy. I didn't have enough time because I was doing my, my job and then having to still dispatch orders. And um, when he was getting, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my little boy was two at the time. Um, yeah, so it's so this, a this bit is crazy. A buying and then selling off. Is that the business? Yes. So you bought items yeah, so, and you thought, well, purely basketware. So literally okay. only baskets. So laundry baskets, storage baskets, big wicker trunks. Um, and I started in the UK. So I literally started buying from the UK. And within six months, I was importing from China. So I had my first 40 foot container. That was a little bit of a disaster. Yeah, my first 40 foot container was full of absolute rubbish. It really was. <laughs> it really was. But I sold it. I hustled and sold it. It was literally some of the stuff i thought oh my god how am i gonna sell this so but i just found think, a way how do you did you think when you first started this how would you the first thought come to your mind in terms of i'm going to sell things and make a, a business out of it how did you think of that did were you always a good salesperson did you think you i'm um, good at this you know you know people build things on their passion or what they're good at yeah i suppose i have never seen myself as what i would class as a traditional salesperson very much, I mean, because when I was at, at HSBC, before I left, I, I very nearly didn't leave because I was in the running to win a holiday through the bank because my sales, I mean, I was, when I went back off maternity leave, because of my targets, I ended up being 500% of target. So my sales were kind of 500% of target because my targets were quite low coming back from maternity leave. Um, so I suppose I, I don't think I'm good at selling. What I am good at is building relationships with people. Um, so I think people buy from people, don't they? At the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so very so early on in the game, you realize this, almost what you've just said, which is a golden nugget, that people buy from people. And it wasn't a yeah. sales thing. So how, how did you build that business? How were you doing the business? Well, in fairness, that was all online. So I suppose what I've just said about people buying from people, when it's online, it's a little bit more difficult to get that across. But... I mean, this was back in 2006. So I was one of the first sellers on Amazon. So this was back when Amazon was selling books, DVD, CDs. They didn't have external sellers. So I was one of their first external sellers and I was actually their first homeware external seller on Amazon. Wow, that's um, a different history right there. So yeah, so I, I, I think to be fair, I don't give myself enough credit for the things that I've actually done. 
Um, I did not know this about no. you at all. Oh my God, it's amazing. <laughs> <I'm a> dark horse. <laughs> and I think you're a bit of a risk taker as well, aren't you? Sounds like it. It's 100%. almost like you've got an idea, you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah there's not holding you back right okay oh no 100% and but then that goes both ways because some of my ideas haven't worked so well um you know it, it's one of those isn't it it's, it's about risk and reward at the mm. end of the day you put the risk you know if you're prepared to take the risk the reward is bigger mm. um so yeah so I built that up basically I built that up to turning over multi-six figure in the first year um purely through eBay Amazon and my own website how many hours work so, were you doing, do you think? Pardon? What, how many hours were you putting in into this business? Um, were, you, were you hustling hard? I was hustling hard. I, was, well, I mean, there were times that I, I, I was up at two o'clock in the morning doing listings. I was, but it was very much a case of um, I was doing that so I could spend time with the kids in the day and things like that. So it worked really well for me. I worked around the, the children. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I, w I was putting in, I am a workaholic. Like literally when I am passionate about something, I can't, I don't want to stop. I, will, I, oh, wow. I could okay. work 24 hours a day and not sleep when I'm wow. kind of in the zone. Um, and you still had one boy now? So you've left corporate, you've left HSBC, yes. you've moved on to doing your own business. And what was the business called? So it was called Terracotta Spice. Um, how I came up with that, that was the worst name ever in the world I met I completely made it up and I look back and I go oh my god like literally <laughs> where did I get that name from literally why did I call it that name um but what I did have the, the sense to do is I bought a domain name homeware shop so literally it kind of was a great domain name because of course um and I still I think I've still got that domain name now um and even talking about this, I'm like, oh my God, I want to go back to selling baskets because I loved it so much. Um, um, watch it after the podcast, guys. Who knows what Ada's going to start oh, off? I know. I know. Okay. Never go backwards, I Never go backwards. But, um, but yeah, I think it's a case of very much kind of with that business, I got, I was, I was a cocky 25 year old. Um, I very much thought, oh, I, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire. I could see how things were growing quite quickly and I got ahead of myself. Um, mm -hmm. And so I went into to wholesaling. I started another company, TS Homeware, and I started wholesaling and that went incredibly well. And in fairness, it went too well. Uh, I was retail, I was selling to Selfridges, I was selling to HomeSense. Um, wow, I, I can't, it's amazing. To, yeah, to all of the big players, I was selling straight into them. I was talking to the likes of Next, etc. Um, but I got ahead of myself, so I ended up in a position that I did too well. I ended up selling all of my stock that I had. I had about £120,000 worth of stock at the time. Sold it all off at, re at wholesale and then thought, oh. I have not oh, enough. What happened there? Um, and literally ended up in a position that I had the cash flow. I had no real cash flow to put back in because in wholesale, I'd, I'd sold where I was making a markup market of 150%, I was suddenly making a markup of 40%. Ah. So literally wholesale killed my business. It really, really did. Um, so I was at a point then that I thought, okay, what do I do here? Um, and I could have pumped money back into the business to grow it again, 
but for me, I mean, this was back in 2015. So like I'd had the business kind of, you know, nearly 10 years. And I thought, is the niche there? Really is the niche for basket wear there? I'd seen so many people come along and undercut me. And mm. then, you know, the problem was they would go again once they realized they, they weren't making money, but the damage was done in the meantime. Them undercutting you in the meantime was problematic. So there were more and more people coming to, to the marketplace and I am a super niche. I, I'm almost kind of thinking of kind of calling myself the queen of niche because yeah. For me, it's all about the niche, 100%. And it's all about the super niche. Don't just niche. You need to super niche, in my opinion. Um, because you can't please everyone with what you do. Um, so, yes, yeah, so why I decided... market as well, with the competitive market. 100%. You want to 100%. be, you know, standing out yeah. in, in the market. Exactly. What did you decide to do? So I decided, I kind of got to the point that the, the, the business was kind of limping along a little bit and I had to make a decision do I put money back into it or do I do I start do I move away and start something new um so I decided at the time I was of the mindset of I don't want someone in my business telling me what to do that was my mindset I could have got an investor but my mindset was I don't want to be told what to do which in hindsight was a very naive point of view and I don't think now I would have done the same thing mm. but we um, learn don't we that's how we learn oh we learn yeah 100% 100% that business has taught me so many lessons it really has um so I came out of the business I got a job contracting so I worked went back into banking worked for okay. Deloitte for okay uh for a couple of years uh contracting so loved that I loved it even more because I was contracting. I was earning twice as much money as I would have if I had been working for the bank full time. Yeah, exactly. Because it was a contract role. You were on a three-month rolling contract. They could, you know, you could walk in tomorrow and, and they could say contract sending. Mm -hmm. So again, it's all about risk and reward, isn't it? It was high. So, so I was kind of taking 12 weeks holiday a year and still earning better than I would on a full-time salary. Oh, so that that worked well for me. And, and, um, and in the meantime, you're bringing up two boys now. You've got yes, I've got two boys. What's so the age difference between them? Four years. Okay, four years. So I had my second my second boy, um, kind of while I was running my business. Um, also, when at the same time, literally at the same time of closing my business, my marriage failed. So. Oh. That was quite catastrophic. So I kind of spent then five years. So that was back 2015. I pretty much spent probably three to four years, I'd say, of feeling like a rubbish parent, a rubbish wife, a failure as kind of a wife and failure as a business owner. Gosh. Um, so yeah, wow. I kind of pretty so much like hit rock bottom. Like a bit of a breakdown, would you say? Uh, I think so. At, the, at this time, I kind of think, I never thought I had had a breakdown, but when I look back, I think I probably did. Um, I know there was a point that I was under a psychiatrist because they thought I had bipolar. Wow. Um, and it, I ended up on lithium. The lithium didn't work. And the psychiatrist said, you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with you. I think this, this is completely circumstantial. Um, and, and I kind of look back and go, oh my God, that's crazy. But I, I think what like were you, what a lot were you doing? Tell us a bit from, tell us uh, how were you feeling? What were you doing in your day to day when you were feeling that breakdown? Do, do you think as a woman though, you might've taken on 
as a woman, as a person, a lot. So trying to have a marriage, do a, a business that's turning over six figures, also bringing up two boys, that's quite a lot yeah. to take on, isn't it? And do everything, yeah, everything uh, at the, to the best of its ability as well. You can take lots 100%. of things on, but that doesn't mean that we can do them all well. Oh, 100%. And one of my kind of difficulties I've had over the years, and I'm starting to kind of accept it and lose it a little bit now, is I am a massive perfectionist. I learned Ooh. it from my dad. He's a perfectionist. So for me, I have to be, I have to excel in everything. I can't just be a mediocre business owner, a mediocre parent and a bit mediocre wife. I have to be the best at everything. And that, that puts think, a lot of pressure on you, doesn't it? It does, 100%. And I think when you're a high achiever, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Of, and when I tell my story to people, they go, oh my God, wow. And I'm like, I don't feel like that's anything because for me, all of that was easy. Yeah. Building that business was easy because I enjoyed it. I find business comes really easy to me. My, my dad's been self-employed for 40 years, so I grew up Watch him owning a business. So for you, yeah. it's quite a natural, normal thing to have. 100%. Right. 100%. Right. I mean, I, I grew up with him saying to me, if you don't ask, you don't get it. Mm. Um, so that's my motto. You don't ask in life, you don't get it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you make a seat at the table. No one's going to invite you to the table. You make your own seat. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my kind of, you know, I am a hustler at heart, 100%. I'm a hustler. So what did you do in your marriage broke down? Did you separate? Did you have to move out the house? Yeah. What, what things were so happening? We separated. I stayed in the house um, for kind of crazy. When I look back, I think, oh my God, was I crazy? Literally, I met my current husband three months after we separated. I was so low that I was just desperate to be looked after. My marriage had been really toxic. Um, we were, and, and on both sides, I don't like it when people kind of blame the other party and say, oh, it was them. Do you know what? It, takes it two. was both it takes of us. Mm. It takes two. It you does. can't argue by yourself. No, exactly. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, my marriage had been very toxic. So I was still in this place of my self-esteem was up, up the floor, rock bottom. Um, and I met my current husband kind of three months after, after separating from my husband. Where, where were you? I moved, pardon? Can you remember where you were? Kind when of you where met I him? was. When you met your husband? Like physically or kind of like where I was in kind no, of the physically, journey. physically. What were you doing? Um, so I was kind of, um, at the time I'd actually, so when I originally finished the business, I actually for about six months just did an administration job with a local firm. So okay. I was, before I went to Deloitte, okay. um, so I was working there. I had, I mean, hence, you know, I'd gone from owning a, a multi six figure business to earning eight pounds an hour, nine pounds wow. an hour. You know, and, that's, and that's, itself is like. Saying yeah. something, isn't it? Yeah. 100%. I did not believe in myself. But you know what? And I, I you, but you myself. didn't stop, did you? Whether, whether you were earning no. six-figure business, whether you get an £8, you were out there, you putting yourself out there all the time. Oh, 100%. I am the type of person, and ironically, when coronavirus hit and my, my bridal boutique literally closed overnight, the first thing I did was go online and look for jobs I could apply for. Because I was wow. like, I need to bring money in ironically and and this makes me laugh tesco's turned me down which it's probably because i didn't i couldn't be asked to fill the application form <laughs> <laughs> so hence i didn't get the job 
did you did you just want him did you think just take me on i can do this guys come on yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, can yeah, do it. yeah. I can do it my sleep but for me it's it, 100 it doesn't matter you've got to earn money whether mm. i'm cleaning toilets whether i'm working in the checkout whatever at the end of the day you've got to bring money in so you for me doesn't matter you've got to bring that money in um and i think i've always been taught that i'm quite independent and that has caused me issues as well um so yeah, so back when I met my husband, we actually moved in together after just four months. And I look back and I go, was I crazy? Like seriously, was I crazy? But my self-esteem was so low. Um, and you think luckily that, that worked out well. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes you make those decisions, but you are making decisions with, uh, with those, those, those glasses on where you can't see things properly, right? there and then but you do the best of 100%. what you can what you need right there because if you if your emotional state's really low you, you the first thing you want is someone to hold you to give you some affection to tell you things are going to be okay and you don't care whether that's the right person or not you just do it don't you oh 100 yeah. and i must admit throughout my marriage i i wanted that so much i made some very very silly choices through my marriage because i was so desperate to be loved i felt so alone I felt like a single parent in a marriage. I felt so alone. So for a long time, I didn't feel like love was available to me. Um, and I didn't think I deserved it. Also, I think when I came out of my marriage, I felt like because of the things that I had done, I felt like I deserved to be punished. Um, wow. And I struggled with that for a long time. I, I was beating myself up daily. I was, a, you know, I was, I would constantly regret the past and wish away you know, they'll feel guilty for kind of messing up the children's lives and things like that. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. And it's only really the last, I suppose, year when I, I got to the point that I thought I was going to lose my second marriage and I was going to lose my business. I, I genuinely thought if I don't sort my mindset out, I'm going to end up losing my business. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I thought, I've got to do something. This is crazy. History is, is repeating itself. I can't do this again. Um, and that's when I really sorted my mindset out about a year ago. Do you um, think, was it because you're investing a lot of time in your business and maybe not in the marriage? What, I mean, when you look back, is that what it is? You know, we call, some, we call it like watering the plant, having regular date nights. And, you know, was that something that you were doing with your second marriage? or? I don't know. To be honest, I, I think... Um, I am incredibly hard on myself and what you just said about doing the best that you can at the time, I don't know that I really truly believed that I was doing the best that I could do. Mm -hmm. I was doing the best that I could do, but it didn't feel good enough. Okay. I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel worthy and I didn't feel good enough. Um, and I think the problem was with my second marriage and the reason I thought it was going to fail is because I was so messed up in my head. I literally. I was very jealous. I was very controlling. Mm -hmm. I was uh, and controlling and uh, controlling over my own behaviour, controlling over other people's behaviour. And I thought, oh my god, I from from a marriage, my ex relationship where I was being controlled and I was probably controlling as well, to a situation that I am I am the controller. I am the abuser here. What the hell? What the hell am I doing? Um, and, and that made me really seriously look at my life and go, what am I doing? Um, I think as well, I also kind of thought, I don't, I'm never going to be happy. I, I got to a stage that I thought I need to resign myself to the fact that I'm never going to be happy. 
and just one day I thought no why should I resign myself to that wow so I think that's a heartbreaking line to say yeah wow I think that's very much kind of what what changed for me um and I thought no do you know what and only I suppose I've been really working on myself the last year is that therapy just now pardon is that therapy um the the combination yeah a little bit of therapy but mostly that kind of subconscious work so uh, I'm kind of now training to be a rapid transformational therapist because of my journey okay um because that helped me so much it was the subconscious work that really did kind of um unlock things for me Mm. and and now I feel like I'm getting back to a stage um that I feel like I was in my first business, that drive, that power, that passion to just do whatever it takes to get what you want. Um, and only just am I feeling kind of, I'm getting back to that now. So well, while doing the rapid transformation therapy, it's RTP, isn't it? Therapy, uh, uh, RTT, 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 yeah, with Marissa RTT. Pierce, Is it Marissa, yeah. Ther- Marissa Pierce? It is. is She's, you, oh my God. I, I love, love her. I have everywhere yes. written down, I'm enough on my windows because because of 100%. her. 100%. Yeah. Literally, amazing. I was looking for different, so um, about kind of uh, three, six months ago, I was looking for different courses to do the coaching um, and I was toying and I kept, I kept making excuses. Oh no, I can't afford to do it now. I knew it wasn't right in my heart of hearts, but as soon as I came across Marissa's course, I was like, that's the one. I know it's the one. Have um, you seen, have you seen her face to face? I haven't yet, but I'm planning, I'm doing the online course at the moment and I'm planning to do the, the, um, kind of the, the course face to face with her to become a hypnotherapist. So I am kind of planning to do that's that. Fantastic. So um, all of this time while you were um so yeah so I suppose through the motions I guess yeah yeah so very much kind of um with the boys I did so when I split up with my husband my eldest son um and I find this kind of quite hard to talk about but my eldest son spent a, a year away from me oh gosh oh yeah um and I think I have um uh, as you can oh. hear from my voice I have amounts of guilt around that and Mm. I think I think kind of that caused a lot of problems with me as a parent because when I got him back into the home um I went through a period of time of basically not being a proper parent not actually setting rules of discipline and not setting boundaries because I felt I hurt him so much everything's like yeah 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 yeah. and I kind of felt like what if he doesn't love me if I discipline Mm. him he's not going to love me um and I struggled with that for a long time but my my kids literally I would kill for my kids they are my my world um so kind of through that time my children are very much not academic at all they're not academic um but but they're both very much like me if they want something they'll go out and get it, especially my eldest son, my 15 year old. Um, So kind of through that time, we we have kind of struggled quite a lot with schooling and different things like that and and their behavior at times because um, kind of like the, I suppose it's just, I I, I suppose, and something Marissa Peer talks about a lot is we want to be the same as everybody else. Kind of our primal state is wanting to be in a tribe. Fitting, fitting, fitting. Yeah, fitting yeah, yeah, in, yeah, being yeah. the same as everybody. 
So when you are different, that causes so many, many problems. And I think throughout my life, I felt quite literally throughout the whole of my life, I have felt different to others. Mm. And that's caused a lot of problems for me. Um, and I think the children have been the same. They've felt different at school and it causes a lot of issues. Um, so kind of through this time, we've kind of had battles along the way with schools. Um, and actually, so when my, my eldest son was um, in year nine, so he's in year 11 now. Well, I mean, I'll go on to that in a minute, but he, he's not now in mainstream education. But when he was in year nine, um, we knew he was being bullied at school. Um, the reason we knew is was because he because uh, of his behavior he was acting out he was doing a lot of silly things and he was bullying his younger brother so we knew he was being bullied but he wouldn't tell me he would not tell me that's the hardest part isn't it they, yeah. sometimes they don't even know what because maybe that uh, and I talked to my son about this because he thinks that it's not bullying it's something he needs to it's just normal mom this is what we do mm -hmm. that's how it is but actually it isn't because there's a fine line yeah. between normal and being bullied oh, unless, no, you, unless you lay it out. So what was he yeah. saying? What was he going through? Well, I think, and I think what you just said about bullying, I think it can go both ways because I think we almost kind of have jumped on this bullying bandwagon. So if someone, if a child says something unpleasant, it's bullying. Ooh. But I think we need to be quite careful how we determine bullying. Yeah. But he said to me, literally, he, he came to me, I was in the shower one day, and he came to me and he said, I don't want to go to school today, mum. He said, there's a child who always pushes me down after class. He follows me and he pushes me and he pushes me over. And I said, what, what do you mean? And he said, he's, he's physically pushing me over. And I realised that this child was literally harassing him. And he'd, Callum had actually got into trouble because one day he had punched this child because this child had been ridiculing him, ridiculing him, and Callum had punched him. And at the time, I didn't realise the severity of what was actually going on and why he had actually done this. I thought, well, I said, you can't just punch people. If they're, you know, they're ridiculing you. You can't just punch someone. But then obviously it all came out what had actually been happening. So being the kind of person I am, I, I act on gut instinct. I act on a gut instinct and I don't think. I literally, I just act. Um, which, which sometimes has caused me issues. I will, I will state that. But a lot of the time, it saved my life. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And 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 literally in that instant, I said, right, that's it. And I, I, I literally contacted the school that day, and I said, I'm taking him off for all. We'd had, I mean, it, 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 I make it quite sound quite simple. I know. It's obviously, led we'd to had a lot of issues. Oh, yeah, yeah. There yeah. were a lot of stages up to that point. But I literally, that was the straw that broke the Were you always being, uh, were you always being called in? Um, yeah, you know, 100%. Your son's done this, your son's done this now, oh, your son's 100%. done this. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah. It's like, what do you constantly. want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because he's, he doesn't exactly. do that. Yeah. Exactly. Constantly, 100%. I was, I was thinking, this is not my child. Ooh. He is such a loving, kind of caring boy. I think half the issue is, I think he's an empath. So the problem is with that, he attracts a lot of the wrong sorts. He attracts Ooh. a lot of people into his life that are not particularly helpful for him to be around. Um, and because he's got very low self-esteem, um, he, he, kind of, he, will, he will kind of attract children who are in bad situations, who aren't particularly good for 
because, his because he feels good around them you see doesn't it yes 100%. and he, and he wants to fit in like you said the first thing you said about marissa piercing we all want to fit yes. in he wants I, to fit in 100%. My, my, my heart goes out to him because my son went through, is, has gone through similar things because of lockdown. He's not in school and he loves being at home. And I can see this child is so different at home. You know, so for yes. us, lockdown. You get your child back, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. He's, he, chill, he's, he sleeps better. He speaks better. He eats better. He, yeah. he, and I, every day I say to him, are you missing school? Or if his dad say, maybe the schools are opening in May. And he's like, <laughs> I mean, and that's, and not, I, and that's not right, is it? That's not right. No, and I, I'm like, 100%. why don't you like school? I hate school, mum. I hate school. And he gets bullied there. He's been told off so much since he was little. So all the way through, his self-esteem is so low as a result of the school. That's it. Oh, we don't do that to yeah. him. We bring him up. Yeah. We don't bring him down. But the school yeah. definitely brought him down. And I've had this oh, ongoing battle with him. Yeah. I mean, I, I realised you took him out of school and you started to teach him at home then. We did, yeah. I mean, kind of going back briefly about, about school, one of the things that caused us a great... I mean, Callum's problems with school started in reception. We had an incident at school that basically a child had bit herself but had said it was Callum. And without investigating the point, basically the head teacher made him stand up in front of the whole of the class and apologise to this child for biting her. I literally, when I found out, I, I literally, I was going to take it to the Board of Governors, but what happened then, she went on, on sick leave, so I just thought, Do you know what, there's no point. Had I realised at the time the damage that had caused, I would have got therapy at the time for him, because Ooh. that... That was the beginning, that was the beginning. That was the big, 100% the beginning. He had been labelled, hadn't he? Yeah. He'd been labelled, yeah. And 100%. also because he had not been believed... He had, when he said, I did not do that, he had not been believed. He had been told, if you tell the truth, we'll go easy on you. So the whole of the time through school, he was admitted to things that he hadn't done because oh he felt if he didn't own up, he'd get into more trouble. More trouble. So that, that was a lot of, lot of trouble. So we yes. pulled him out of school. Um, the reason I pulled him out so quickly at that time is we actually had a place at the Silverstone UTC lined up for him in year 10. So we had that and I thought, brilliant, Silverstone UTC is gonna be amazing for him. It's very entrepreneurial, it'll be great. So we homeschooled him for about six months. We had a tutor, it was working brilliantly. He came on leaps and bounds. And then he went to the Silverstone UTC and we went back to square one. Oh really? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So we went back to square one. We ended up in a situation that he was in the top 10% of the school for behaviour, for poor behaviour. But when I say poor behaviour, this was not him really being naughty. This was him not taking his coat off when he was told to take it off. Um, he, he has quite a lot of issues with following rules for the because I told you so. He does not do well with the whole because I told you so rules. Wow. I but who does? I feel you're right. And I feel like my, uh, my son has very similar. He doesn't get like to be told by older people and not older as in age, an authoritative figure to do something. Yeah. He immediately gets his back up immediately. But then there's been teachers who will say things in a different way and get a result out of him. 100%. And I agree with that. And I think very much, I think at the moment our schools are teaching our children to be sheep. And at the end of the day, the reason we had a problem with World War II 
is because people blindly followed orders without thinking. Okay, they just Without did question. what they were told. Yeah. And I have a problem with that. I have a problem with blindly following orders and, and, and you know, without actually thinking to yourself, should I really be doing this? Is this something that, I, or is this going to be harmful to someone? I mean, if and, he doesn't take his, if it doesn't, if Callum didn't take his coat off, for example, eventually he would feel warm and take his coat off, wouldn't he? If you were to look at yeah. this, just this one little, very yeah. small example, if he's been asked to take it off, he doesn't want to do it. If you were to just leave him without making a big issue and then putting him in yeah. top, ten, top 10%, that's again another label, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And, yeah, and now we, now we got to the that, point. It's like crazy. Yeah. And very much, I got to the point with the school that I was going to have to go and get a diagnosis from CAMS Ooh. in order to get the support I needed. And I thought to myself, no, I'm not prepared to do that for my child. I am not prepared to label my child with something um to to kind of get the schooling that i need and very much i'm a great believer I, in i don't think we should be labeling children the way that we are because i think labeling children causes so many issues in relation to identity Absolutely. Um, it depression think, anxiety in their adulthood 100 percent, 100 percent. each everyone is individual and everybody should be allowed to be individual mm. and everybody should be allowed to learn in my opinion how they learn best and and the classroom is not suitable for everyone i know exactly. i struggle with the, the classroom school, school is not set up for the setup for the majority but some some kids will really suffer as a result of the setup. yeah but, but this but, is where we're up against aren't we we, are, we have one rule we have one method we have one oh yeah 100%. one room yeah but i i think nowadays i think more and more people are not fitting into the traditional educational mold yeah yeah more yeah, and more yeah. children every single day and what's happening is our children are leaving um education at 16 having failed gcse's being told you're a failure mm. so at 16 years old they're being told you are a failure so how do you see how the rest of the life set up yeah, yeah. Exactly. and we wonder why we've got mental health issues in this country when when that's when we're and setting increasing. our children up for failure 100%. 100%. not success whereas very much the, the the stance i have with my children is you know you can you can do whatever you want to do you mm -hmm. can do achieve whatever you want to put your mind to and even now at the age of 15 callum Callum's a wheeler dealer. Callum's a hustler. Is he? he? He ends up with money and I'm like, how did you get that money? And he's like, oh, well, I, I sold this and then I bought that and then I sold this. And I'm like, oh my, oh my God. You know, we, we found out he was selling energy drinks at school. We were like, oh my God, Callum, you can't really do that. <laughs> you know. But he's but an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, how is so he crazy. now? Is he okay? Is yeah. He love, is he loving the lockdown? <laughs> Um, it's funny, he's not loving lockdown, but he will not leave the house. He okay. literally will not leave the house at the moment. He is won't go out for a walk or anything. Is he because he's worried um, they'll get something? I think because of the media, I try and keep the kids away from the media, but obviously they have phones, they yeah. expose themselves to the media. But I've been very chilled in this kind of situation. I have not fed into the panic. I have not been watching the news. I have not been watching the media because, okay, it's horrible what's going on out there, but in my house, we're all safe. Mm. So that's what I need to focus on, that we're all safe and I need to focus on the well-being of my kids. Um, so I think, I think it's really tough, um, but very much kind of 
for us, when we pulled him out of school, I knew I needed help. At the time, I knew I wasn't mentally well enough to be able to teach him myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew that we would clash. So we took on a private, at the time, I did not know where, when I took him out of school, again, I made that knee-jerk reaction. I literally said to school, I'm taking him off roll today. Um, And I had to then figure it out. So um, we took on a, I I knew a private tutor who was also a therapist. I've known her a long, long time. And I knew she was, I knew in my heart, she was the right person to, to, to teach him. So we kind of started with her two hours a day for three days a week. Uh, when we started with her, I did not have the money to do that. I had to find the money, which is the beauty of being self-employed. You know, it's not a case if you work for someone, you, you, you can't just go in on a Monday morning oh. and go, oh, by the way, I need another 600 quid a month. Can I have a Absolutely. pay rise, please? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you can't do it. Um, so we, we had to find the money. We literally had to find the money to, to, to do that. Um, but for me, and very much, we have taken the decision to um, get him to the point of being able to take GCSE in maths and English, mm-hmm. <sighs> mainly because, and I think it's a shame that we have this box ticking exercise, but we do. Mm-hmm. In this country, we are a country of box tickers. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I felt like I don't want to have a situation where in the future, at the age of 30, he wants to become a doctor mm-hmm. or a lawyer or whatever else that requires qualifications and then he has to go back at that point and do his GCSEs I didn't want that to be the case yeah yeah. um although I knew he probably would I don't want that to necessarily be the case for him so I would prefer to get it done now also Um, he would have been taking his GCSEs right now would he or not he has he's taken before the lockdown he had actually um, what what we, we, we spoke to our tutor and she said because of the way he learns he's also dyslexic both my boys are dyslexic I think I might be dyslexic as well, although I've never had it diagnosed. Um, She she said, um, basically the best way to do it was to do it at BTEC because then the way the the exams worked would be far better Better for him. Yeah, okay. So so he's taken them already then? Yeah, we we took that in stages. So we did a level one, and then so the level one gets us up to a um, a D grade. Well, old school. I don't know this new system. And then the the level two takes in between an A and a C. Okay, perfect. Ironically, so he's just taken maths and English. Ironically, the two exams that we thought he was going to breeze, he was getting ninety percent on. He failed. Okay, because he didn't put the work in. He's a right little sod for. When he thinks he's going to breeze it, he doesn't put any effort in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of us are like that. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And then the two exams that we thought he was going to fail, he passed. So tell me how that works. Oh, (laughs) Awesome. What a story. 100%. Um, And your younger son. Very much much now within lockdown, what we've been doing is we've been still been working with our tutor, but both boys have been having her. So what we... Rather than Callum having the two hours, we've had um, an hour each. They both have an hour each, and I have an hour with them. So okay. we basically we, we do it like that. And I will. So the other day, part of of what I did with Callum was I went through. Okay, well, if you were to start a business, what would you do? Um, and 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 prior to that, we just kind of said, okay, from September, what are your options? Okay, 
you could do an apprenticeship, you could get it, you know, these are the kind of things that you could do. So we very much then brainstormed a business idea of his and okay, what would he need to do and things like that. Um, well, and he knew all the answers. Life I was like, how do you yeah. know this stuff? Is he watching like, his mum? Yeah. yeah. Well, is, is, is your I husband, think, I think um, he's got his own business as well or? Your husband, my husband, yeah, he's got same. He's got his own business, or does he work for a corporate? He has, yeah. Because okay. okay, so he's watching he, both the both of you doing your own business. Yeah, well, exactly. So he's a lawyer, but he works under kind of the umbrella of a bigger law firm. So he did have his own law firm for about four years, but then the middle of last year, we we took the decision for him to go under the umbrella. So he's still self-employed, but he's under the umbrella of a much larger law firm okay. because. The problem is with having your own law firm and you being effectively a one-man band, naively people think, well, if you get hit by a bus, what happens to my case? Mm. Whereas, realistically, even if you're in a bigger law firm, if you're the main lawyer, if you get hit by a bus, you know, Same. The, yeah. The, case, yeah, yeah. the case has got to move on to someone else anyway, but people are quite naive with that. So we, we took the decision. He wanted to get the larger piece of work that he's aspiring to get. Mm. that really that was the better move so he is still self-employed he still has to go and find his own work but he just has the i suppose heading of a bigger law firm for kudos more than anything yeah, for that validation point of view and i think it's such a shame in in today's society that it's almost like we need that validation that kind of like oh i've got this qualification or i've got that qualification just like you said, box ticking, isn't it? Even though box without ticking, the... Box ticking, 100%. Yeah, 100%. yeah, absolutely. How is that? So I know that you have a, a bridal boutique business. Where, where did that fit in? How, how did you start that? Was it because of your own yeah. wedding dress? Or where was that passion come from? So literally, kind of, um, when we... Uh, so when Aaron proposed to me, I obviously started looking for... Um, for kind of my wedding dress at the time. So after I'd worked for Deloitte, the contract at Deloitte ended and I ended up, um, I don't know why, but I could not find a job. After Deloitte, I couldn't find a job and I was gonna end up kind of having to go to a job that was paying a, half the salary that I had had at Deloitte. And Aaron said, well, look, you know, if you do that, I'm gonna have to pick up the, you know, if you're full time, I'm gonna have to pick up the boys and I'm going to have to earn more money because to make up your, your salary. Why don't you just come and work for me and help me out for a little while and we'll see what happens. So I had been working with him, so kind of helping him with admin, accounts, business development, helping him build his business. Um, and I started the, but I really missed having my own, my own business, something that was literally just me. Um, and kind of you know I started the, the wedding journey and I went I was going to bridal boutiques and I just found the experience was not what I wanted I I externally looked like a very confident person but internally I was not I was not a confident person inside so I found that whole process quite daunting I found it I didn't like it I hated it. I hated every minute of it in finding my wedding dress because I wasn't a confident person in, in, inside. Um, so very much I felt there was a, a niche. I felt there was an opportunity here to, to help brides on their bridal journey. Brides that felt actually, do you know what? I'm not necessarily lo loving this bridal journey. I'm not thinking, yay, let's go and try wedding dresses on, woo! 
you know, I was not that bright. I, I, want, I felt that, that I needed the support of someone to say, right, I'm very much hand-holding through the process. Um, Walk you through the I, journey, step by step, yeah, and what 100%. you need. Yeah, and get to 100%. know you as a person. But I can see that wherever you do, wherever you go, you look out for opportunities. So oh, business opportunities. Oh. You're now looking for this dress, but you cannot it help. Mad. Honestly, <laughs> I love it. Morning, I did a live this morning and I thought, oh, I, I can't remember. I think I wrote on post and literally came up with a business idea. And I thought, oh my God, it annoys me so much. I'm like, well, you stop coming up with business ideas. Just do the business you have. Um, but yeah, because at the moment I literally have kind of, um, as well as the bridal boutique, two or three things that I've kind of, I'm starting off, but I've very much got to focus. My focus at the moment is getting the bridal boutique like absolutely up and running and I've, I'm bringing someone in to help me do that. How is it, how um, is it, so how did you decide from buying a wedding dress for yourself to actually opening a, a boutique and how, what was the, the t what was the length of that journey? Do not tell me uh, the next week it, after it, that you had one. Yeah. I'm quite, uh, as you probably gathered, uh, I'm quite impulsive. So yep. that journey was probably four months. By the time we got married, wow. I'd, I'd got the boutique and I'd opened and we'd been open for, for nearly a year. So, um, you know, literally, yeah. I, where I, is the um, boutique? Um, Emma, tell us where it is for any brides in listening. In Longbuckby in Northamptonshire. Okay. So, yeah, Longbuckby, Northamptonshire, Annawood Bridal. So, um, so, yeah, so literally we got engaged in in March of 2018 by the July of 2018 I had um well by the July I had kind of knew I was opening the boutique and by the October we had opened a boutique um, when did you get married then were you married when you had we got married in March 2019 last year okay so, so you just had your anniversary yes so yeah, literally yeah not so long ago yeah um so you had the boutique and then you got married you did the boutique first yes yeah. so literally okay. i started looking for my dress saw there was an opening and i thought oh my god i've got to do this ironically at the same so, so my kind of thoughts were i know this is something that i can do that i should do but i didn't know where to start um and at the time i was actually offered to uh, buy someone else's boutique ironically just a random we have these random conversations don't we and and she said I'm thinking of selling my boutique and I was like really oh my god I'm thinking of, of opening one can we do something um so we went through that kind of process um but kind of through that process you know when kind of things come up and you think oh yeah that's a problem but I can deal with it oh yeah that's a problem but I can deal with it and that had happened quite a few times and just one day I took a step back and thought what am I doing here I'd rebranded the boutique I had done all just like completely and utterly gutted and started was starting again and I thought why am I buying someone else's boutique here what am I doing um so I decided I literally pulled out of the deal and within two weeks had uh of, of pulling out of the deal had found a new premise and was ready to, to launch the boutique. So I don't hang around. I like literally when I, I can see that. In my mind, done. Amazing. So, okay. Um, so where these, where are these dresses coming from? Then where do you what's the what's the USB behind your brand? So very much kind of the USB behind the brand is, is around um, that, that journey. And I think if I'm honest, when I when I first started the boutique, 
it was very much, I was very passionate about providing brides that extra support and that, that kind of like that help along the way for that non-confident bride who wants to be mm -hmm. calm and confident on her wedding day. But I think because I was still lacking in my own personal confidence, I think I spent a little bit of time kind of saying, oh yes, this is what we're doing. Oh no, 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 actually ignore that. No, we, we do just cater for everyone. And I spent kind of a year or so very much doing that. So and it's more, an actual, more generalist rather than niche that you are, yeah. you were wanting to be niche. 100%. I was Got wanting you. to be niche, but I, but I was scared to be niche. And I'm not quite sure because that's never scared me before. And I think it's because of obviously what's happened in my past and the knockbacks. It has to knock back on my confidence. Um, and to be fair, lockdown, lockdown's been really powerful for me because I very much kind of see lockdown as an opportunity. And I've gone, oh my God, why am I not shouting from the rooftops? Why am I not shouting this message out to people rather than just whispering and hoping that people will find us? Mm. So it, it's been really powerful for me. And lockdown, I think, like they say on Love Island, a day feels like a week. That's how I feel. So I'm, I'm kind of, things that would take me a week to do in the normal world are taking me a day. And bearing in mind, I live in a super fast world anyway. That's kind of like even quicker than it would be normally for me. So I'm like every single day, I'm coming through breakthroughs in my own development, my personal development, in my business. Every single day, I'm kind of, you know, pushing that kind of forward so now we're kind of looking to launch a program for brides to take them from kind of I suppose not exactly chaotic but that anxious kind of state of like that low confident to calm and confident on their wedding day so we're looking to launch that program and very much I know that if uh, kind of COVID-19 hadn't happened that would not have been on the horizon for me mm. because I would have just carried on kind of normally so very much we're gonna we're gonna look be launching so you, that you're going back to what you want it to be you wanted the experience for them so now you want to deliver that but this time is giving you the opportunity to deliver this pro so a, a bride that comes to you so how so if i was getting married uh what would what would i be expecting in the boutique so support throughout your journey so very much in kind of like our first appointment with our brides and we're actually looking to introduce so what we've been doing in lockdown is some virtual appointments mm -hmm. they've been working very well so i think we're going to introduce that into our normal program of, of appointments ah, fantastic so before so they come in we'll have a chat with you or one of oh, you 100%, 100%. so very much kind of for us getting to know the bride first and about their wedding is, is key we don't even really the, the the kind of the the marriage and the wedding for us is a bit of a sideline to actually to start. And, and, and actually our slogan very much at the moment is it's not all about the dress, mm. which I'm a great believer that actually, I mean, because I could put the most stunning person in the most amazing dress. And if they don't feel confident inside, they are not going to look, they are not going to feel good. Yeah. Whereas it's I could put the most, oh, 100%. Whereas I could put the most confident person in a, in a, um, you know, a Hessian sack on their wedding day and they would feel amazing. They would be like, look at me, how amazing am I? So very much kind of, I'm a great believer in that. So I, I, I'm a great believer in, it's all about what's in your head. What's so all about confidence. You want to really make 100%. sure that 
they, they come through a program, so they increase in their confidence while they're with you in this bridal journey. So it's not about you coming, yeah. we'll give you champagne, you try these thousands of dresses on. And you, yeah. It's about what are you thinking? Where do you want to be? How do you want to look? How do you want to feel? All of those elements taken in place. I love exactly. that. I think that's amazing. Exactly. Immediately, so we're doing I feel better. You know, you feel like looked yeah. after. You feel like oh, someone can hold your hand who's been there before and understands. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and very much kind of the journey is, and I always say to all of my brides, what I do not want is to for you to come in and me to flog your wedding dress and you go on your way. I'm. I don't no, want that's that. That's never your agenda. I'm, yeah. No, 100%. I, I want to kind of very much kind of, I suppose, take the bride into our family, as it were, into the boutique family and very much nurture that bride and help help them grow through their journey. You know, we want to be a big part of their journey. Um, so very much kind of, we've been doing that through the boutique already, but what we're going to now do is formalise it as well in a programme that we're launching, which will actually take the bride through several different processes not just about the dress so very much about um kind of dealing with anxiety finances kind of because budgeting is quite a bit big part of, of of your day kind of relationships relationships with your family and suppliers and kind of going through you know confidence cultivating confidence and right through then so i mean there's there's about eight eight different steps but then right through to actually having the most amazing wedding day and actually the preparation for that day. So we're going wow. to formalize that into an actual program. So not only will our Anna Wood brides be able to do that, um, but actually we'll be able to offer that to brides who aren't necessarily buying the dress from Absolutely. us. Absolutely. I was just going to say that. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Because not all, I mean, if you live up in Scotland, okay. You know, you may want to come down and, and, and see us if you kind of believe in us that much. But a lot of people may not want to go that journey. And I mean, admittedly, ironically, um, most of our brides are actually from further afield than they are close, which is bizarre. So a lot of our brides are from at least an hour or an hour and a half's journey away. Okay. Because, because we have that conversation with them. And for, for me, again, it's all about relationships. So you this, know, this program's online? So you are, is it, will it, is it, okay, it will be, okay. So you'll be yeah. seeing one so, ride at a time or is it a group um, session? So what will happen is we'll have two different options for brides. So there'll be a group option. So obviously that will be a, a, a much cheaper option for people to be able to do really affordably. And that will be all online. It will have a Facebook group of support where we will be in there answering questions. And obviously you'll have other brides for support as well. Um, and, and the program one will be online. Okay. So you'll be, you'll be working through that. And then obviously we're going to have a one-to-one -one support package that you can have on top of that. So very much is kind of a weekly call with me okay. and to kind of like chat through your, not necessarily kind of um, things like your dress, but actually what's happening in the, in, in the bigger picture of your wedding yeah. year. Very much a lot of our brides, you know, have issues with bridesmaids, have issues with family where not everybody's on the same page. They might have relationship problems with, with suppliers and, and they don't quite know how to deal with that. And very much from the experience I have with obviously with my, my past and dealing with that, um, with relationships, but also obviously with being in business for 14 years, 
I know how to get the most from suppliers. Yes, absolutely. You so are I the person to go to. That. 100%. 100%. So it's, it's a much more holistic kind of uh, service, not just really about the wedding dress. Um, so that, that I'm passionate That's about. That's super niche, Nana. It really is. Super niche. 100%, 100%. Never seen this before. So, never heard of it. Never seen it anywhere being offered. It's just you get the dress and, and you have somebody nice to serve you, but that's about it, really. Mm -hmm. And people are then buying online dresses as well. So that means you might not even have contact with a person either, oh, which means oh, that definitely. you miss out on all of this, you know, um, or, yeah. or just an opportunity to, to say, like, I, you know, I can't, I don't want to invite certain people, but my ex, my husband to be wants to, and I'm not sure how to go about it. Who should they talk to about oh. this? You know, so opportunity to talk to someone in, in a program and even being part of the Facebook where multiple brides may have similar yeah. issue. You could then maybe go live in it and actually discuss that one particular point. That's amazing. Oh, I love it. I love 100%. it so much. So excited for you. Really, really good. Yeah. I'm very much kind of, because we sell a lot of our examples online. So we know there's brides out there buying dresses online. Um, and I think as well, I do think the, the bridal industry is very much changing, which I've come into the bridal industry and I'm like, okay, the bridal industry, in my opinion, is 20 years behind the time, at least, at wow. least 20 years. It's like going back to the dark. I thought the law industry was, was behind. The bridal industry is behind the law industry. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> And I think this is because back in 2006, when people weren't even online, I was online. So yes. I kind of feel like I'm ahead, You're ahead of, of the game. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, so very much I'm bringing things, because online is obviously what I do best. Um, so I'm going to bring things back into that kind of, that sector. But I do think with the bridal journey, there's always going to be people who will want to come and try their dress in store. The, the, the bridal boutique is never going to go away completely. Oh, yeah. People always want to try it. People yeah. are always going to want that, that service yeah. of coming in and trying the dresses and that very personal one-to-one -one service. So very much that's a big part of things for me. And, of course, you can still come in and you can still just try dresses on. But at the end of the day, that's not really what we're in this to do. We're in, you know, and very much I say, hand on heart, I haven't got a single bride who I would say one is a pain in the bum mm. or two that I don't personally like and I would hope they like us mm -hmm. because we very much um I'm all about relationships 100% about the relationships so very much and a relationship both parties need to feel that they are getting something from the relationship 100% yeah I, definitely I hear so many times so many of our brides say oh I went to this boutique or that boutique and they said oh well if you buy the dress today I'll knock 200 pounds off it and I think that's not your you're thing. Buying your wedding dress yeah you know you're not on this is not a market store where yeah. you're um, and are in whether you're going to buy a 20 quid top this is a wedding dress for goodness sake. Why are people doing this? Yeah. Um, it makes me really, really cross that that's how kind of, you know, so, so your, your business is not for everybody. Yes. People can come and no. try, but it's for, for women or for brides who want to develop confidence throughout the process of their wedding and learn yes. the skills of how they're going to, to, to show up on their day confidently, 100%. whatever dresses exactly. you have. And that's yeah. the process you're going to talk them through. It's almost like a, it's almost like a wedding therapy without calling it that. I know people are, people, I suppose, yeah. but therapy, I mean, therapy is good. Everybody needs yeah. it. Almost oh, everybody needs it, but we just, we, we just can't face it. We don't want to say the word therapy, but actually therapy really helps. Yeah. 
doesn't it? And, and I must admit, yeah, I mean, literally, my first marriage, my mum, on my wedding day of my first marriage, said to me, are you sure you want to do this? And I said to myself, uh, the, the night before she said this, and I said to myself, no, no, no. And she said, you don't have to do it. No one will think bad of you. And in my head, I was like, no, I do not want to do this. But I didn't want to let everybody down. Mm. So I went into my, mar my first marriage not, not even thinking it was right. Wow. Um, and I, I was in that marriage for 15 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and even my second marriage, I, I, think, I think going into my second marriage, I'm not sure that I truly believed it was going to last forever because of the way I felt about myself. Mm. And, and because I would go through this stage of being in love with him one day madly and then hating him the next day because of different things that had happened. Mm. Um, you know, and that was very much, I had to step back and look at myself. That was not him. That was me. That was if you had the opportunity, if you had an opportunity to do some therapy, then you probably oh, I would have, have done it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, but it's not something that comes to people's mind straight away, does it? People are like, yeah, nothing wrong with me. Tomorrow I'll be different. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up and things going to be different. Or when my kids grow up, then I go and do something about it. But actually, more than anything else, more than anything else, I think getting your mindset right is one of the, the key things in life. Oh, then do anything in life once your mindset is focused and you feel yeah. alive and that you, you know what you're doing. You're sure about things and you are planning things and you've got a routine in life. Yeah, and I think it's the foundations, isn't it? And I think, again, you know, being British, it's almost like, no, we must carry on regardless. Yes, regardless. No, we, we must pretend we're not in a really bad situation. We must get up and we must carry on. And I think that was my problem for many, many years. You know, I think I was in a state of, of you know, even when I was under a psychiatrist being, being diagnosed with bipolar, yeah, yeah. I was still getting up every single day i was still getting my kids ready every single day i was still going to my business every single day no point ever did i go i'm not going to get out of bed today mm. but i didn't ever ask for help and i think there's almost this stigma of not not saying you're okay and only now am i getting to a stage we wouldn't have been having this conversation six months ago or a year ago i can guarantee you that 100 mm -hmm. Because I would have been scared. What are people going to think of me? Oh my God, what are people going to say about me? Oh, mm. should I be saying that? Should I be doing that? And, and I would very much not kind of, you know, say what I really felt. Mm. And if you don't feel okay, you would not say it because you would want people to, to see you in a certain way. You don't want to come down that level because it's, it's, almost, yeah. a it's almost of a failure. When actually, oh, it's okay if you're having a bad day. Isn't it? Now you can say that. That's 100%. Massive. That's a, you've a massive journey then, haven't you, really? Huge. Definitely. Yeah. And I think kind of almost like, we, yeah, we don't want to think we have failed. Mm. We want to kind of think 100% of the time, no, everything's fine, everything's fine. And sometimes it's not. And I think, I think yeah, I, I think there are so many people who aren't really happy with their lives, aren't happy with the situation they're in, but don't think that they deserve better or don't think that better is available to them. Mm. And I think that's such a shame. Such a shame. So very much. And most people die like that, won't they? Which oh, is unfortunate without actually truly showing or being your total self. And, yeah. and that's a shame because only because of outside pressure and the stigma and what other people think of us. 
What would you, yeah. what is your, so obviously you've come through a journey yourself in self-development. What is your uh, daily routine that, that helps you keep you grounded now? Is there things change in your life that you do every day? Um, I, do you know what? It's one of those things that I, when I kind of think about it, I think, oh God, what do I do? But for me, it's, it's actually, nothing started changing until I was truly grateful for what I had. Mm. every single day it's almost like my daily routine prior was like I hate my life oh my god everything I have why do I have these issues we have no money and that almost was my daily routine until I lent into gratitude and very much like I'm grateful for what we have we live in a lovely home I have the most amazing children I'm grateful for the love and support of my husband I'm grateful that I'm alive I'm a grateful you know, I very much heard something with Tony Robbins once and he was talking about success and he was talking about this to this chap and he said, what do you define as success? And he says, a day above ground is success for me. So every day of my life is success. And I think very much we almost, we almost uh, pin success on being this unachievable thing. 100%. Rather than setting daily goals of, because I very much think we should have a goal each day that we haven't succeeded at. So even if it's a case, and this is very much what I say to my clients, so I don't just work with, with bridal clients, but I work with, with other clients as well, um, with women, women mainly who are high achievers like me, who want something better in their lives, but they feel stuck and they don't know how to get out of that rut. Um, and, I, and I do say to people, look, you know, today, what's one thing that you're going to do even if it's a case of just getting up and having a shower or getting up and making the kids breakfast what's one thing that you're going to do because we're all doing it the best that we can mm -hmm. we you know no one wakes up in the morning to go do you know what i am going to go out of my way to make sure i have a really rubbish day i'm going to make sure i annoy everyone that i come across mm -hmm. no one no one does that and i think there's you know, so much pressure in the, this country. Everybody's like, I suppose it's the the kind of like the wanting for something better. But people, what they don't do is they look at the, they don't tend to look at themselves. They, they don't, don't tend, tend to look to, at what they've already got as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. They don't look at inwardly and what have they already got. And I'm a great believer. Whether you want to call it law of attraction, whether you want to call it kind of you know. Um, subconscious whatever you want to call it your, your, your mind your mind is very powerful and the amount of information that we, we process at any one one moment is millions of bits of information where actually your mind can only accept about 126 pieces so if you are feeling ungrateful if you are feeling um, you know that you're not loving your life that's what you're going to focus on mm. not how grateful you are so you, you're going to look out for the news that's bad you're going to look out for people who are also complaining and then you're going to hang around yeah. with this and you're going to stay in that toxic mm -hmm. environment but if you were to say i'm yeah. grateful that even around lockdown i'm able to do this this and this and all the things that i wasn't able to do were dropping my kids here there, and everywhere none of that has happening everybody's calm and quiet everyone's mental oh, health is in a good place then you're going to see that and, and the, the days will go better for you, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's very much more attraction and gratitude is something yeah. not everybody does it. And I think once you do find gratitude, it's absolute gold mine, in my opinion. Oh, 100%. And I think it's very much kind of that, that whole saying where, you know, where focus goes, energy flows. Mm. If you focus on the negative, you, your energy will go towards the negative. 
if you focus on the positive, and it's very much like if you get up in the morning and you think, oh my God, I'm having the most amazing day. Loads of, loads of things will happen that ordinarily you would yeah. think is bad. And it's just like, oh, whoops, I just spilled a cup of coffee. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Whereas if you're having a bad day and it's like, oh, spill my coffee, that's because I'm having a really bad day. Yeah. And yeah. Everything, everything that happens will feed into the fact that you're either having a good day or that you're having a bad day. That's a, that's a um, really important point you've just said there. And I think listeners um, yeah. really will resonate with that. And people who are constantly maybe feeling negative right now is to maybe try doing a five minute gratitude daily whether you want to write yeah. this down whether you want to say out loud how do you do your gratitude is it because some you don't have to certainly do a you don't have to sit down and do certain things but my my way is i have this journal here which is called great yeah. heart and i fill this out and what i'm thankful for because it's got sections in it for for that um what is your process of how do you gratitude I suppose, and, and to be fair, I think I need to formalise this pro process way more than I, than I do. But I, like you, have got a journal. So, and, and some days when you are feeling at rock bottom, even thinking of one thing that you're grateful for can sometimes be quite hard. hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I very much kind of concentrate on those days. It's concentrating. And I tell this to my clients as well, concentrate on just one thing that you're grateful for mm. or concentrate on one thing that's gone well. And I think as well, I very much use my journal to dissect how the day has gone, but without blaming myself, because I think that's really important. Because when something has gone wrong or when something has not gone to plan, it's really important you know why, because if that happens again, you want to have the brain pattern, you want the pattern to be in your mind of what you would do in an ideal situation. So you've got a go-to place, because of course, uh, our brain programs everything that's the program it's like the computer of of what we do um so we need that imprint there but it's very much a case of okay well today this has not gone very well what could i have different done differently but i'm not going to beat myself up mm. i'm not going to blame myself okay but in an ideal world but the, the one step that you've got to make sure you do is, is step back and not blame yourself for that. Because I did that for a very, very long time. Oh, well, if that hadn't happened, that wouldn't have happened. And, and you get yourself you feel awful at the end of the whole process. Yes. And then when you, when, you, when you do this daily, and this is like a daily affirmation to your own self, you're now a person whose self-esteem, her, her confidence and everything is affected because you're telling yourself off in a way like oh, someone else 100%. telling you off, but you're doing it yeah, yourself you may, yeah 100% yeah. you may as well get a stick and beat yourself on exactly. a daily basis it's a, it. such a self-sabotaging so demeaning it's so dangerous for a person isn't it, it oh, really affects 100%. everything around you yeah so the yeah. gratitude is such an important thing to remind yourself okay well that didn't go that great let's see if I can do that tomorrow but you know what this and this went really well today which I'm really happy with and then move on from it exactly because tomorrow's the next day and it's clean slate you know tomorrow's the next yeah. day we get we get this day after day we can just you know i have many clients they will say you know i didn't want to eat this bread and i ate it and i'm like that's okay you've had it yeah. now you know think about why you ate it think about it like you just said just so you know what's what actually happened what were you thinking at that time how are you feeling just so you know are you when you're in stress, is that what you go to? Is that your go-to point? What else could you have done? But, but you've eaten it now. Stop telling yourself off. Because what you're doing now is more dangerous than actually the bread itself, quite frankly, isn't oh, it? 100, oh, 100%. Bread's digested. You need to move on to the next and day now. Yeah. yeah. And very much kind of, you know, 
it is that case of kind of um, our, our guilt and our shame and our embarrassment is actually what causes the damage. Mm. That's actually what, not actually what necessarily we've not actually necessarily what we've done. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, one hundred percent. It's not. It's not the food. It's not the actual action. It's actually what oh. you're doing to yourself. The self sabotaging, and that can transfer into so many things. You then call yourself a bad parent, a bad woman, a bad wife, a bad friend. Then you suddenly in just this this whole uh, process of just feeling down constantly, like you're not good enough. Which is what yeah. we started our conversation with, which was Marissa Therapy's um, Marissa Pierce. Uh, I'm good enough, and write it on your wall if you feel like that. Look at yeah. it and say it out loud. 100%. And I think that's why we have so many issues in this country, because if we're talking to ourselves like that, we're bound to talk to other people like that. And I think the difficulty is now when we live in a far more virtual world, what kind of like 10, 20 years ago, you would have had to say in person horrible things mm. and you would have never done that in a million years because you may well have got a smack if you had. Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and I think, I, I think a lot of the time people really, before they, start saying things to people on a message or what have you, should think to themselves, would you right now walk out of your house, walk to a stranger in the street and say that and not expect to get a smack? Because, exactly. you know, and, it's, and I think people kind of say things without even really realizing what they're saying yeah, yeah. and they don't realize. But when we talk to ourselves like that, how can we expect to talk to other people any different to how we talk to ourselves? Very and I think so. it can be a revolving circle. 100%. What's your biggest fear? What's your biggest, biggest fear? My biggest fear? I think my biggest fear has changed and my biggest fear kind of changes kind of daily. Okay. Because now I would say, I, I think what I would say before was my biggest fear was failure. Yeah, I, I gather that. Yeah, absolutely. I thought you were going to say that. But yeah. Now, but now I, I think at the end of the day, I think I need to lean into that. And I have very much started leaning into that because if I'm so scared of failure then I'm not ever going to succeed because I won't ever put myself out there. Mm. How can you, how can you kind of, you, you're never going to do anything. And I think that's why I was kind of having so many repeated patterns of kind of like a case of, well, if it didn't work, I'd just give up because if I gave up, I, I was in control of that. I mm -hmm. was saying, no, I don't want it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we kind of sometimes fool ourselves. Oh, well, I didn't want it anyway, because it's far easier than saying, Oh, well, I wasn't able to have that. Mm. Um, Awesome. And I think, so yeah, failure was massive I for can, me. Uh, I really appreciate the journey and uh, the depth of uh, your, your thoughts around how you came through what you came through, as well as holding on to being a wife, as well as bringing up two kids, but also having a massive internal battle there with your own self, where you were trying, as you said, high achiever, you put yourself under immense pressure. And it's great to see that you've come out all of that with all that knowledge. And now you are still a high achiever but you're not putting that pressure on yourself. You're not telling yourself off. You've got a different system 100%. in place. And it's great to know because there's people who are going to definitely relate, with what, relate to what you've said because they probably won't be able to say the, how openly you have just described your situation. And I, and I really, really appreciate that because I think you've shown us, you know, some time that I really related to when you were saying those, I, was, I felt I was a rubbish mum. So many of us relate to that, especially women, especially mums. Uh, and we blame, oh, us, we blame ourselves for so many things. So, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being with me on this podcast. Thanks and for having me. Tell us where can people find you if they want to have a chat with you or would, uh, if they want to come to your bridal boutique. Give us a bit of your socials, please. 
Okay, doke. So literally all of my socials are at Animal Bridal. So literally as it is, so all of that. Although we are going to be doing the courses and things like that, people don't actually have to do those. They can just come and have obviously the, the, the bridal um, boutique experience. Um, kind of experience. Yeah. But they don't have to, although we're launching the course and things like that, they don't actually have to have that therapy. But obviously our, our way of doing things to support them through the journey it's just a case that they don't necessarily have to have the therapy if they don't want that kind of element to it so that's all kind of our socials and then i've started to kind of launch um some some kind of uh, groups online so i've got a group for our brides called come confident brides with anna wood so that's kind of a a group that i have literally just started for brides who do feel like they want a little bit of extra support and they can go into that group. So it's a free group and they've got that there that they can go it's into as well. It's called Calm, Confident Bride. So Calm, um, Calm and Confident Brides with Anna Wood. Okay, guys, so, this will all be listed down below in the podcast anyway. So don't worry if you haven't caught that. Okay, excellent. So you're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, yeah. everything. So Instagram, yeah. So I think I'm Anna Perry Wood on uh, LinkedIn. Okay. So yeah, on everything. Um, by, by Twitter, so Twitter I see okay, a, a bit more of a personal feed, but yeah, literally yeah, we've got Instagram, neither. we've got Pinterest. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. Facebook, Pinterest, in, uh, Instagram on all of those. So uh, Brilliant, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate your time uh, this you morning so and so much information me. you've given us as a parent, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a woman going through our own battle and, and amazing what you've come out and what you're giving back to the world now, really. Amazing. Thank you so much. Lovely. Thanks, Farah. Okay. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you never miss out on the next episode.